the opening prayers we had just this morning at Mass, it's called the Collect, meaning it literally kind of collects us together as one family of worship, right? The Collect read this, Grant, Almighty God, that we may celebrate with heartfelt devotion these days of joy. We're still on Easter. We still celebrate these days of joy, which we keep in honor of the risen Lord. And that what we relive in remembrance, we may always hold to in what we do. Last two lines, what we relive in remembrance, we may always hold to in what we do. That the Christian you know, project is not a project. It's not just a philosophy to entertain you know, merely in our heads, but it's to be a lived reality, right, which animates all that we do. So that word remembrance, we relive this remembrance. And this word remember that's used here and also in scripture by Jesus himself is not like a remember as in, uh, you remember when grandma you know, would cook that batch of cookies and the smell that it would make? Man, if I could just experience that again. But rather this remember, it comes from the word amnesia, amnesis, right, in Greek, which means to literally remember as if it's happening again. That grandma is here and she's rebaking those cookies, right? That were there upon Calvary with Jesus and his crucifixion. That were there at the Last Supper with him. We live in remembrance that we may always hold to in what we do. I think we see this played out wonderfully um, since the early times of the church, right? And displayed in our readings today. And I think these readings, uh, they give us a model, um, and a simple one, uh, to follow ourselves. We could just kind of walk through the readings together in that. So the first one, it's Acts chapter 8, kind of describes the what, if you will, how to remember and the what. We see Philip, he's going around proclaiming the good news. People are being freed from demons that have been possessing them for years. Paralyzed and crippled people are being healed. And it says that there is great joy in that city. And then it ends with this. It says, Peter and John prayed for these people that they might receive the Holy Spirit for it had not yet fallen upon them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on him, and they received the Holy Spirit. What we're seeing right here, the first century of Christianity, is the sacraments of confirmation. These priests, these bishops, praying over these people that have just been baptized, calling down the Spirit upon them, right, anointing them with the Spirit a couple years ago at my first parish, it was one of my first weddings, and so I was still kind of learning the ropes, and it was discovered, you know, even though they were two Catholics, that she had just, you know, for whatever reason, missed her confirmation. So as part of our wedding prep, I asked her, like, would you like to receive confirmation, you know, before you get married? She said, yes, absolutely, right? And so after a few, you know, months of formation in that, their marriage prep, she had the idea of, like, could I just be confirmed in my wedding mass? I was like, huh. I don't see why not, but uh, just to check, let me call someone. Uh, and so I called Father Bachlin, you know, beloved son of this parish, who's director of you know, kind of worship and liturgy for our diocese, and I just kind of ran it by him. And he's the, uh, he said, yes, totally possible, except it wouldn't be a confirmation within wedding, uh, it would be a wedding within confirmation. That confirmation is so important that it almost supersedes and kind of trumps that of the wedding sacrament. So I went back to her and I told her, totally possible, but we would have to wear red and we would have to say prayers for confirmation. She's like, totally understand. Maybe let's keep them separate, right? <laughs> so so uh, we did uh, the confirmation the week before, but it just kind of goes to show that the importance of our confirmation, right, that gift of the Holy Spirit, which we have received. Right, so that first reading, the what? People being freed, Philip proclaiming the good news through the Holy Spirit. 
the second reading, the first letter of Peter, I think it kind of describes the how, right? That Peter tells us how to do the what, right? How Christians are meant to be in the world, but not of the world. That we're to be as, you know, wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. To be gentle, to be humble. That we need always to be ready to give an explanation. That we need to have clear consciences, right? I think you can kind of distill this down by saying Christians need to pray every day. They need to worship the Lord. They need to attend Mass every Sunday, those holy days. Have a clear conscience, right, to confess their sins regularly. And then to provide for the needs of the church, right, to love our brothers and sisters, our neighbor, right, the how. And then finally, we get to the Gospel. We've been working through John. We're now in the 14th chapter. And it kind of gets us to the why. Jesus says right away, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. How often I think people want to kind of focus on the second part of that sentence, right? The commandment part, right? But that's a mistake, I think, right? Because if we're starting to focus on the commandments, yeah, people are going to understand that the church is some sort of oppressor, the thing that's passed down through the centuries, right? Not allowing them to be free. But certainly we know that's not the case, right? We need to focus on that first part. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, right? If you love me. That certainly, if Jesus weren't involved, if we didn't love him, if we didn't know him, uh, the commandments would be foolish, right? They would be a waste of time. We have to know him. Which takes us back to that opening prayer. It said, Grant, Almighty God, that we may celebrate with heartfelt devotion these days of joy. We may keep in honor of the risen Lord. And that what we relive in remembrance, we may always hold to in what we do. That if we love him, if we know him, if we remember him in a real way, that we would do anything for him. That like the apostles, we would go out to our workplaces, you know, to Woodman's, and we would proclaim there the good news, right? Helping others to hear that they too are loved, they too can find healing, they too could be free to find salvation. But to realize, as this gospel, Jesus says, you know, if, if you love me, that's a conditional. And it remains but an if until we decide to remain in him. Because as it turns out, you know, the what, the why, and the how can be distilled even yet further. We could just call it Jesus, to just remain in him. So this morning, this beautiful spring day, uh, we do just that. We bring all before this altar, where we remember and relive with Jesus in a very real way, sacrifice offered for us. That if we remain in him there, everything is possible. So being the month of May, it's, it's the month traditionally, even before the times of Christians, the month where people celebrated the coming of spring. Winter is behind us, flowers are in bloom, crops and the promise of food are right around the corner. So when Christians kind of came about, they took that tradition and they baptized it, so to speak. So May became the month of Mary, she who brought that freshness of life to our world, right? who bore the fruit in her womb, who we call Jesus. So with that, we have the beautiful tradition of crowning Mary, right? our queen. So we have a first communicant recently received Jesus that is going to be helping us do that. So I'll ask her to pre- please come forward.